Welcome back to Twice Upon a Time. Today we're talking about episode four, The Price of Gold. Starting off with a brief synopsis. In the Enchanted Forest, we meet Cinderella, who is sad that she can't go to the ball. Her fairy godmother shows up to help, but is promptly murdered by Rumpelstiltskin, who is happy to help for a price. Cinderella makes a deal to grant him a favor, and later, when she gets everything she wants, we find out that that's her firstborn child. Cinderella and her prince work with Charming and Snow White to trap Rumpelstiltskin. In Storybrooke, Emma meets Ashley, a very pregnant maid who wants to change her life and keep her baby. Ashley breaks into Mr. Gold's shop, assaults him, and tries to skip town. Mr. Gold hires Emma to get back what Ashley took, which turns out to be her baby that she sold to Mr. Gold. Emma and Henry find her at the town line and rush her to the hospital, where Emma makes a deal with Mr. Gold for a future favor so that Ashley can keep her baby. Roger, what do you think of this episode? Well, first off, let's talk about prompting murdering people. He explodes her. She yep. explodes. Yep. Yep. The first word I wrote down was ruthless. He just shows up and murders her fairy godmother. Made her explode just out of nowhere. Uh, I, I thought it was a solid episode. Not my favorite episode. Not a top five episode. But a good estab- a good episode to establish kind of who Mr. Gold is. Who Rumpelstiltskin is. Um, he hates fairies. He, he really hates fairies. Um and, and, and not just in, like, the typical way where you don't like someone, but, like, he seems to even warn Cinderella, you don't want to make a deal with this fairy. Like, like everything that you do with fairies will not turn... So he has, a like, a deep hatred for fairies. Um, I think Gold's very good in this episode. Certainly he's good in most episodes, but I think you kind of see his scheming as next level. Like, he's not thinking about the next step. He's like a chess player. He's 15 steps where he's going to checkmate you, and you're just like, what's he doing with that pawn? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm way ahead of you guys in the game. Way ahead. Yeah, agreed. This is a this is a good Mr. Gold episode. One of the first, I mean, we've only had, like, snippets of Mr. Gold and Rumpelstiltskin so far, so this is a real, the first Mr. Gold-centric episode. I also think this is a good Emma episode, personally. I know you probably feel a little differently about that. Um, I think that she really comes to understand more about who she is and what she wants. Hmm. She's not just here for Henry now. She's here for her, and she's kind of stepping into her role as the savior, even though she doesn't know it yet. Oh, interesting. Um, Okay. I will say, A, the blue jacket threw me. I was not anticipating this blue jacket. I don't know that we see this blue jacket again. Maybe we do. We do see the blue jacket again, and actually a lot of the initial advertising for Once Upon a Time has Emma wearing the blue jacket, not the red jacket, which is so interesting. Because I feel like the red jacket is the signature look. Of red jacket is iconic. Yeah, like that is, when I think Emma, I think red jacket. So the blue jacket was like, what is this? I like that they have her, she definitely sees herself in Ella, for sure, or Ashley. I actually, when I watched this the very first time back in 2011, I thought Emma might be Cinderella mm. because similar look, it very much could have been the kind of same story and maybe that was her fairy tale character, even though I would have assumed they've just like twisted it. Like Cinderella happens to be the daughter and she didn't know and she was adopted by an evil stepmother, yada, yada, yada. Um, she does a lot of projecting in this episode. A lot of her conversations to Ashley sound like conversations that she wishes she could have had with her younger self. And then she's just like, oh, I'm just going to try to help this girl who's in a bad situation. Well, I think she she sees too because Emma Emma's situation is beyond 
is it slightly different. Like it's it's a step beyond where Ashley is at right now. And she hopes that if someone had talked to her or she had known these things or she could have thought back, maybe she would have made a different choice. And I don't know I, that it'll be interesting to discuss later if Emma regrets her choice or that it was the wrong choice to give up Henry. Because I, I think, like, as she said in episode one or two, she gave him up to give him his best chance. And I don't know that she would feel differently about that. She yeah, was in jail. Well, yeah, without going too far, I think what she realizes is that she was forced into the same scenario that her parents were forced into. And that she wanted to be there for her son, but it wasn't going to be the right move. Yeah. Which is interesting because she's... She's still bitter about that they had to do it, and thus she probably expects Henry to be bitter about it because she had to do it, um, which isn't unfair. Like you know, it it no matter how you justify it, it sucks when your parents give you up. I can't imagine that's a good feeling to be like, I was left on the side of the road. Cool, I get it. Like you had no choice, but I still had to grow up alone, and that that's yeah. not fun. Um, you had to grow up where you had a family until you were three, and then they gave you up when you had their had their own kid. You had that. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah, that that was rough. Um, speaking of rough, Henry is in the back seat or around when a lot of this conversation is happening. His facial expressions, good work by uh, Jared S. Gilmore, because a lot of times he reacted, and I was like, ooh, ah. Okay, like, stop, Mom. I'm, you know I'm right here. Like, literally listening to, like, yeah, you're, you know, you have to give up a kid. And it's not, and it's like, the, the, the kid's right there, man. In some ways, like, yeah, that would be hard. But I also, like, a lot of what she says is, like, kind of affirming. Like, I, I think it would actually help, maybe, as a, not, as a person that was not given up for adoption as a kid. Who knows? But it might help to, to hear that. And know that, like, she had reasons and she really was trying to do what was best. Yeah, I definitely think that's easy to explain to an adult. Yeah. I don't know that a 10-year-old child is. I mean, next level Henry, like, he's he's scheming and getting, like, he, he always thinks everything's a code. Like, he got to do everything he wanted to do in this episode. And he got home in time for, for his mom to think he was home all day. So, so you brought up scheming. Henry's a little manipulative. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't, is that a learned trait from his stepmother? Is that a family trait? Sure, his stepmother. She's his I'm adopted sorry. mother. I'm sorry, adopted mother. I should use the right term. But he's got a lot of manipulative people potentially in his life, and he's good at it. I mean, yeah. Uh, whether it's what is it? I'm just trying to spend time with you, boy. <laughs> that is. Ne- I was like, I need to take notes. Like that's next level stuff to be like. Let me do the thing you know I shouldn't do because I'm going to use the fact that you gave me up and didn't spend time with me against you. Is like, wow, kid, you're good. Like for a ten year old, that's pretty good that's good for any age but really a 10 year old that's good um also does he ever listen to anyone i don't think so i don't think he ever listens apparently it's perfectly acceptable for a 10 year old to be home alone all day in storybrook maine well if you have a city council meeting to get to you got a city council meeting to get to that's true city council meeting Mm -hmm. um yeah he doesn't listen much but scheming, speaking of scheming, Rumpelstiltskin, ultimate schemer in this episode. Like you said, 15 chess moves ahead. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin is always exactly where he wants to be, even if that is trapped in a prison under Snow and Charming's castle. And he got exactly what he wanted in this episode. So that brings up a good point that I think you and I were talking about. Was his actual plan to get the wand 
or was his plan to put himself into a situation in which he could make the deal with a desperate woman? So I was one. I was thinking about that as we were watching the episode. I'm not sure, but I don't think that when she signed the initial contract, it was for her firstborn child. I think it was for a favor, and he later decides that he wants that favor to be her firstborn child. So it's possible that he just hoped he would need something from her in the future and was able to use that, still in a very next-level schemey way, to to get what he wanted. Uh, and he figured that out along the way. Like, I, I don't know that he knew that when he blew up the, the fairy godmother, that that's what he wanted. I think Rumple, you know, as we'll learn, is a guy who's obviously willing to be patient to get what he wants. I don't think there's any way he reasonably thought, I can manipulate every single series of event to go exactly the way I need it and had one plan. I think he's a guy who's like, this is my end game, and I'm going to have this as a plan and this is a plan and this is a plan and I'm going to be able to adapt so that I can eventually get to my end game through a series of twists and turns and deals and favors and wands. So I think the wand was plan A and then he was like, oh, there's a desperate woman here. Let's have a plan B. So I think it was probably both. The only thing that gave me pause was he says a line to Cinderella about I will have this baby in this world or the next. Yeah. So very clearly he's thinking about the future and then when he hits the line on Emma with, well, we don't want that baby to be born in jail. Yeah. Very clearly knowing that she must have born, had birthed Henry in jail. And it was like a perfect, you know, manipulative heartstring tug. Mm-hmm. And knew that that was going to get Emma to do what he wanted. Which, now it's my second question. Did he really want the baby? Or was he just looking to get Emma in a situation where she was going to owe him a favor? Yeah, I think, I think you're right that he was just looking to get Emma in a situation where she was going to owe him a favor. And I also think there's, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, I think there's a possibility that, so Rumpel is looking for the product of true love, and he might not know from who that is, like at the beginning. Oh, I see. So you think that maybe he thought his endgame was getting... Cinderella and her prince, who I think is also called Prince Charming in Disney lore. <laughs> Awkward. Pretty sure. <laughs> well, that makes sense because David really isn't Prince Charming or James isn't, so. Yeah, but in in the movie Snow White, his yeah. name is Prince Charming. Yeah. But... And in the movie Cinderella, his name is also Prince oh, Charming. Oh, that's illogical. <laughs> I thought, because I was like, maybe Snow heard the Prince Charming from the Cinderella story and then was like, oh, haha, it's another Charming. Yeah, no, that's... Can we just use a better name than that? Or that's... can they have names? No. <laughs> well, your name is Prince. I'm fine with that. Sure, as a title. But maybe more than Charming. But that's all they were. They were just Charming men. I don't... Did any one of them have the character at all? Or No. Yeah, they were just there to save the princesses. That was it. Yeah. Speaking of saving the princesses, this is our first true damsel in distress. The Cinderella? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, something I noticed... So you had said on the last episode that Cinderella is a underused character in this story. Yeah. And I think they could have used Cinderella more. I do not think that they did a great job of like actually updating her character as they have done with the other characters. Like her Cinderella story is exactly what we know of as Cinderella's story. They don't do very much to build out her character. And then they tack on the Rumpelstiltskin story of like giving up a baby and yeah, like she traps him. It is Cinderella meets Rumpelstiltskin. Yes, yeah. um, which 
I, I'm not saying that that Ashley's not actually Ashley is a lot more interesting than Cinderella, I think. Um, but I think that they have a hard time using her because they don't do enough to like build out her character and make her story more interesting than what we already know about Cinderella. Yeah, I don't know that this episode taught me anything about Cinderella I didn't already know. Like, mm-hmm. this character is literally word-for-word translation from the classic 19-whatever that movie came out. Um, yeah, it, it's actually a bit jarring to see her, because all the women in this show, for the most part, are pretty badass. Emma's a badass. Snow's a badass. Regina's a badass. Uh, Granny's a badass. <laughs> Granny is a badass. Granny's a badass. Wait till you see Granny, guys. <laughs> Ruby's a badass. Yeah. And then you have Cinderella who's definitely not a badass. I mean... And, like, Ashley does some badass shit in this episode. But, like, Cinderella doesn't do any of that. I mean, they, they like, smartly make a plan with their friends, which I think is cool, to trap Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. But, like, you don't even get to see that. Like, it just occurs. And it also doesn't feel like she was part of the plan. Yeah. It feels like they had to talk the plan to her. Yeah. So, about the only thing she does is she does a a stone-cold lie to Rumpel, which she very clearly sees through. Like, the fact that she couldn't pick up that he was... Onto her was kind of like, you're much like Regina, not good at this. Because he's saying all the things like, oh, if you were trying to do the thing that I know you're doing and you wouldn't be lying about having twins. And she's like, oh, he believes me. And everyone's like, <laughs> no, he does not believe you at all. He doesn't believe you. He's so firm in his convictions and beliefs that he felt comfortable trying to convince her not to do it. Because <laughs> again, Rumpelstiltskin is always where he wants to be, whether you think you've trapped him or not. And she just goes through with it. Like, there should have been some pause of like, boy, I'm tricking the dark one. This is too easy. She's just like, nah, it'll be fine. There's going to be no bad consequences. Speaking of bad consequences, Thomas, man, you're a prince. You going into the woods by yourself all alone. (laughs) Do you not carry security with you? You know, there's people out here robbing folks for their mother's rings. Like, I'm just saying, maybe (laughs) you should carry some security when you go into the dark woods at night. And did he fall into the well? He did not fall into the well. I actually, I have watched the show a lot of times, and I can't remember what happened to Thomas. Should we have gotten Lassie? Obviously. <laughs> Obviously he didn't die, because yeah. he's in Storybrooke. Sure. So there we go. Uh, I don't know what happened to him. Did Rumpel make him disappear? Maybe. That was the price of the magic. Um, also, to your, your point about weak men, mm. Sean, mm. Thomas's uh, real-world counterpart, he does come around in the end. He makes the right choice. But boy, does he let his father walk all over him. Yeah, so <laughs> interestingly enough, I didn't have him in the weak men category. The reason being is that it made more sense to me why a child yeah. still under his father's roof would probably have a hard time disobeying him. And like, realistically, cool, he can disobey him, but now struggling poor son is going to be with struggling poor girl to raise a kid, whereas like, he may have believed that the best chance was for the baby to go. And he also, at the end, comes around and realizes that like, nope, I just need to help Ashley and be with her and forget what my rich jerk dad says. So I give him credit for actually like reeling the failings of his ways. But yes, obviously dad is clearly in charge and running things which is interesting because his counterpart in the enchanted force did not seem like a bad guy like he's not portrayed in like a negative way in my opinion he says kind of a i didn't think it was creepy but you thought it was a little bit inappropriate oh it it wasn't a a creep sorry it was not creepy that he asks ashley about having a baby at her wedding that's just a really inappropriate question to ask someone that's like when you go to your bridal shower and you're 
your grandma-in-law is like, when are we going to get grandkids? It's just not appropriate. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> Though in, in the era of marriages being arranged, children being heirs, everything being about political alignments, I mean, like, that... People would talk about this. You were to give me an heir. I mean, you know, that was like a business transaction. So it kind of makes more sense why he would be like, are we going to have an heir to the throne? Well, I think also, again, remembering that their cursed selves are, in most cases, their worst selves. Not so much for Ashley. I think she was her best self. Yeah. I actually would argue that she's much better than Cinderella. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Some of them are their worst selves, but some of them aren't. Yeah, I guess it depends on how Regina felt about them. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it was written intentionally for them to be their worst selves, or if it was just maybe that's who they were. Because the one thing we don't know, and we talked about this a little bit off, um, off mic, was like, what were they going to do about time? Like Henry, okay, he's ten, so he's not going to notice it. At some point, Henry was going to be like twenty-one and be like, y'all all look the same. Yeah, I don't think Regina... Th I mean, Regina did not intend for there to be a Henry when she cast this curse. Sure. And I guess she just hoped that she would figure it out. <laughs> like, she was just gonna... <laughs> like, oh, like, also, none of the girls his age were gonna age either. <laughs> Henry, this is just normal. You age. That's weird. Yep. Everyone else doesn't age. Yep. That's normal. So, like, you like this girl in 7th grade, but now you're in 12th grade, but that girl's still in 7th grade, so this no longer works. You need to date only a 12th grader, and it's like... But mom, why isn't anyone else aging? <laughs> there was there there were some holes maybe in that plan. Yep. But again, Regina is her own worst enemy sometimes. Definitely some holes. Uh, this is also the first episode where we get the phrase "all magic comes with a price." Is this really the first time? Someone said the price of magic earlier in an in an earlier episode, but or the cost of magic. But yeah. this is the first time we hear "all magic comes with a price," which is actually the tagline of the TV show "Once Upon a Time." Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, um, let's go back to Regina real quick. She starts off by confronting Emma in a very poor attempt to make it seem like she is no longer threatened by this woman. <laughs> She says, I'm no longer worried with you. And I wrote down, you are quite worried about her. Um, she does give a great line, which is a good foreshadowing of her character about people don't change. Yeah. Boy. Wrong. <laughs> uh, and, and wrong because she ultimately wants people to change, yeah. including herself. And she is super wrong. Um, and then, of course, one of my favorite shout outs is, did you enjoy Tallahassee? Which means nothing to us right now. But it will mean something later. It will mean a big something. What did you feel about Regina in this episode? I feel like she was a little ineffectual. I just, I don't, I think that she, I mean, she was a side character in this episode. She does not feature prominently. She talks to Emma at the beginning. Um, have some stuff to talk about with her and Graham and her city council meeting. Mm. Um, but really, she seems oblivious to what she thinks that she's pulling one over on Henry in this episode, but he was gone all day and she had no idea. Well, that's because she was focusing on something else. That's true. The, the city The city council, council meeting. meeting. Yeah, I, I don't think she was worried about where Henry was going to be. And quite frankly, she has to know if you're going to be gone until five o'clock, your son's sneaking out. This boy has snuck out to Boston. You didn't really believe <laughs> that you telling him to stay in this house was going to mean anything. And I don't True. think, quite frankly, she cared because she was worried about a meeting. Um, also, I, I brought this up a couple times. 
we've seen Regina kind of start to lose control. I feel like this episode showed Gold is much more in control than we thought. Mm-hmm. Like he's trending upwards and she's trending downward. You know, yeah. he he's getting a favor now from Emma. He's showing you that I'm 15 steps ahead. Kind of what we he alluded to before that like I'm the man behind the curtain pulling all the strings. And I'm curious again when we get the next uh, Regina Gold interaction what it's going to be like because I don't recall does she start to realize that he's awake or that he's pulling the strings or is she still just oblivious? Uh, yeah, we we get some Regina sort of assumes that he is awake and then receives evidence that he isn't at some point. Um evidence. Evidence, yeah, evidence. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, he's so far ahead in this episode that and she's trending downwards and she doesn't even know it. Like she has no idea what occurred today. In fact, I think if you asked her, she had a good day. <laughs> She'd be like, "Yeah, I I got everything accomplished I needed to today. It was great." <laughs> Well, and, like, what happens with Emma in this episode, like, Emma further solidifies herself as the savior in this episode, which is very counter what Regina wants. Um, So that conversation she had with Emma at the beginning, like, you don't build roots anywhere, and Emma just made some roots. Both in terms of, she's going to have to pay back that favor to Mr. Gold. Uh, so that's not a great route, but it's a thing that is real and holding her in place. Keeps her to the town. <laughs> Maybe not the best anchor. And she just helped someone like that she didn't have to help. Again, she yeah. did that with John Doe, David, James, Prince Charming <laughs> in the last episode. The man of a thousand names. The man of a thousand names. Um, and now she's helping Ashley. Like, she just made a deal for a person that she had just met because she sees herself in that in that girl. I we will say this a lot, but I feel like if Regina would just get out of her own way. You told it's like I'm going to tell you your biggest weakness so that you fix it. And mm-hmm. like sometimes some of the things she does are so cartoon villainy bad where you're like, "Why would you tell her that her biggest mistake was that she never puts down roots?" Are you insane, woman? Well, in taking that job as the deputy to the sheriff, not only is it a big fuck you to Regina, it's also building roots in the town. She has a permanent job and a place to live. She has an address. She lives there. She's not leaving. So, speaking of poor, fuck- poor choices, Regina. Speaking of big fuck yous, that reveal at the end, I feel like it was supposed to be this like big shocking, oh my god, I can't believe this happened. Yeah, okay, the Huntsman and Regina had a city council meeting at a hotel room. I think you all know what I'm alluding to at this point. <laughs> Who cares? I think it's a bigger deal than that because Graham is trying, well, <laughs> Graham immediately, while still half naked in the hotel room, calls Emma or takes the call from Emma and says that he is happy to stand up to Regina. It's his department and he can hire whoever he wants. So it just feels a little, like, backstabby subterfuge to then be also sleeping with that person. And later, as his relationship with Emma changes, it becomes, like, even weirder. I mean, I, I think there's a difference between business and personal. And his relationship with Emma should be business, even if we have acknowledged that he probably has a thing for her. Who he's sleeping with on the side is, like, not really relevant to his job. It's not really about who he's sleeping with it's more about like he's who he's like he's colluding with her like he has he has a relationship with her but he also claims to like hate her and think she's a bad person that's trying to frame people in the town like i guess if they're just fuck buddies fine 
but obviously we'll we'll learn some more about what's going on here and we'll talk about how fucked up that is later um but I, yeah i just i i agree that it's not like this oh my god what thing but i also think that it's like <laughs> he simultaneously is like sleeping with someone and then being like yeah i don't care what you think i'm gonna hire this girl on the side it's alpha move I'm willing yes. to have sex with you, but I'm not willing to let you tell me who I hire for my department. He's standing up for himself. He's he's getting no, wait, the... that's good. I'm glad that he hired Emma. It's he, good. He's moving out of the weak man territory. Uh, also, speaking of that, I think there were two different scenes. Like people starting to take the shirts off. Man, is this Beverly Hills 90210? What's going on? Emma's in a bra. Uh, Graham's just walking around his hotel with his shirt off. Like, put some clothes on, people. I mean, this did air at 10 o'clock at night, but. 10 o'clock? Oh, like 9 or 10. It was a late. Oh, okay. It was on a Sunday night, too. Like, it was kind of that, like, you know. Late night TV? Well, you know, like, Beverly Hills, Melrose Place, like, that era of, like, nighttime soap operas. It was basically that era of nighttime soap operas. If, if they had a pool, I would have called this Melrose Place episode. There is a shocking lack of sex for this to be a nighttime soap opera. Not in this episode. <laughs> not in this episode. She leaves in the morning and is not back till 5. It's true. They had, they had a good day. They, <laughs> they had a productive council meeting. They passed all agenda items. Facts. Uh, which, you know, if they're able to enjoy their city council meeting for that long, yeah, I, well, what I'm doing for my entire Saturday is none of your business because I, yeah, I hired you as deputy, but that's really good sex life, so leave me alone. It's true. Uh, I also... Yeah. A cute theme in this episode is the shoes. There are several shoe things. Um, obviously, there's the glass slippers, and we don't get to see the, like, Cinderella goes to the ball and loses her slipper, yeah. and he comes to find her. Um, but Henry loses his shoe yeah. at the end of the episode, uh, and you think that Regina's going to figure out that he was gone all day, and for some reason, she has absolutely no idea. She was tricked by her 10-year-old. She was just having sex for six hours. Her brain's not working. I guess that's true. Um, and then her legs work. Sean buys shoes. That is one of the baby. more adorable. It's, it's really sweet. Yeah, you see the small slipper and it's on the baby feet, and of course it fits just perfectly. Of course it does. Because you know, because babies need shoes. Do they not need shoes? I babies guess they don't can't walk, walk anywhere. <laughs> yep, yep, that's fair. Yep, I knew that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we. I'm actually impressed at how bad Sean's dad is. Like. This is technically your grand grandbaby, and you're just like, meh. Like, I understand Emma giving the kid up, and I understand Sean giving the kid up. I don't understand Sean's father not being like, he obviously is doing quite well. They're living in a nice neighborhood and a nice house. Why couldn't he help her and take her in? Well, yeah, it's fine if Sean and Ashley don't want to be together. Sure, That's absolutely. totally fine. He should take responsibility for that baby. <laughs> and also, the dad can clearly help. Yes. Like, it's not like you're all <laughs> impoverished here, so not... Not the best uh, play for the dad here. Not good. Um, just another small thing that we were talking about off mic. Uh, I noticed this trend the last time I watched Once Upon a Time. They litter constantly. Next just Tyler. constantly littering. Like Rumpelstiltskin, he just throws He just throws it in the Enchanted Forest. They don't do this in Storybrooke, thank goodness. Although Henry does throw away the apple, but that was for a good reason. He thought it might be poison. Yeah. Well... <laughs> I don't know that that's true, though. So, Rumple just takes a bite, chucks the apple down. Now, okay, it's compostable, but I don't think he was thinking about that when he did it. It was clearly that's like, true. it was a fuck you to uh, Regina. So, he litters. Snow litters in the Enchanted Forest after her dust. He's like, oh, it's empty. Man, just chucks it. Like, 
Man, they litter everywhere. Littering. No here. respect for the environment. No, they... I guess there is no climate change in the Enchanted Forest, and their cursed selves have not received this information. Because it's all magic and it's made up. It's all magic. Yeah, it's all made up. Yeah, no, their their littering is weird. I, I have to admit, for characters who are both, the only thing is just like the bad people littered. But like Snow White litters, she's obviously good. Okay, Rumple, I get that. That's like an alpha move. Like pick up after me. I don't really care. But and Henry, he was trying to do it to protect his mom. But yeah, it's pretty bad. They, it's bad. Yeah. It's not good. It's, it's like if you've ever watched a TV show, and they go through phones at an insane rate. Like, everyone just grabs people's cell phones and throws them out the window. <laughs> and you're like, aren't cell phones like $1,000 nowadays? Like, if you someone threw out my phone, we're fighting. Like, yeah, I'm angry. they're expensive. Let's talk about the um, Enchanted Forest real quick. Their plan was to just imprison Rumple. That's it? Nothing else? Yep, imprison Rumple forever. In a special cell designed to imprison him by the Blue Fairy, I guess. So, most of the time, I really love our main characters. I think they do a good job of thinking things through and coming up with a good plan. This was not one of those times. You were going to out-magic the dark one? It's also fascinating to me. I mean, something that the writers of Once Upon a Time do is that they kind of try to stick with their own internal logic, but if they haven't thought of it yet, sometimes it like doesn't hold up later. So, they trap Brumple with Squid Ink from the quill and you can see the magic working on him. Like you can see the visual visible effect of it. And then they put him in the, like the carriage jail and there's no more magical effect. Rumple definitely could have escaped at that moment if he wanted to. Well, I'm assuming it paralyzed him. So I, I can like rationalize that. Like the squidding trapped him, paralyzed him. He can't move anymore. But he was moving inside of the cage. Oh, was he? Yeah. Huh, interesting. He came right up to the bars and was talking to Ashley about her the price of magic. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I'll try. Sorry, not Ashley, Cinderella. Cinderella. Yeah. It, it, and also, he obviously has something to do with the di- disappearance of her Sean Thomas, I want to say his name. Thomas is, is Thomas. Thomas, yeah. Yeah, so obviously his magic wasn't completely gone, which means he could have escaped if he really wanted to. And no one notices that. Like, that doesn't concern anyone in here that he obviously just had a hand in these events. Now, maybe I guess he didn't and it was just the price of magic, but I don't think that's the first thought I would have had. And again, the plan was just to imprison him. Yeah. Which is kind of messed up because when you think about it, they, like, act like he's the bad guy in the sense of he's a scourge and he does all these things. Like, but you all went to him looking for something. He didn't, like, most of the time didn't come up to you and said, you must make this deal with me. You went and took out the loan that you couldn't afford. So, why is he in... Like, is he a great guy? No. Are you all innocent in this? No. Cinderella really wanted to go to that ball. You agreed to the terms. I'm not saying it's fair that he should take her baby, but you agreed to the terms. Yeah. I Well, as she said, she thought the terms would... He would want jewels or money. Because she didn't care about giving that up. She also didn't think about the fact that he can weave straw into gold, apparently. Hmm. And also, what if the term was you need to murder someone? Or, I don't know, maybe it's, I need you to take the heart of your husband. Was she willing to do that too? (laughs) This is not an uncommon thing we've learned in uh, the Enchanted Forest, as Regina obviously had to take the heart of the person she loved most. We actually haven't seen the heart move yet. Yeah, we have. Nope. She doesn't... Oh, I guess she, she... You haven't seen the pulling out of a glowing heart yet. It's not glowing, but she's holding it. Yeah. Like, we do see her go in and grab a heart, and then he did. We, yeah, we don't see the, like, magical glow, but we know that that's what it is. Yeah. 
And we know that that is a thing that can help do curses, that the heart of the person yeah. you love the most. And maybe, you know, Ella doesn't know that, but it was one of those, like, you, you should have talked this out just a little bit more. As we also learn later that uh, baby parts are needed in an awful lot of curses. That felt weird to say. And baby parts? Yep, yep. Yeah. Nope. Talking about that just felt not okay. Not right. My last thing. Kingdom map. Where, where was the relative location of all these kingdoms? I, yeah, and like how big are they? I mean, because they're all within about a, a day's, day's ride. ride. Uh, and so far we've got Cinderella and Thomas. We've got King Midas and Abigail. Oh, maybe we don't know King Midas. Abigail that is uh, betrothed to... I, I believe she said King Midas. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that's another kingdom. We've got Snow White's kingdom. George. We know that James is George's son. Yep. That's four right there. It's all the kingdoms. And then I believe we actually know five because Maleficent talks about Sleeping Beauty. Yep. And then actually Maleficent has her own castle. That's not a kingdom though. She just she just lives. She just has a castle. She just randomly. lives on a lake. Okay, so let's say she's got her own <laughs> random lake. That's five kingdoms. It's a lot. Where are these kingdoms located, like relative to one another? Like I'd love to see like a Westeros style map. Like just give me an overhead shot of like, is it like a circle or are they? I don't know. Did they all use magic beans to get there back and forth? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Let's, I know it's all about a day's ride. Okay? It's all about a day's ride. Which, ah, these horses, man. They do some work in the Enchanted Forest if they're just riding back and forth and pulling carriages. and Yeah. And nice. all this trade. and mm-hmm. I don't know how many people could be living in these kingdoms that are only a day's ride apart. Also, not to get too far off because I don't want to get in, like, super politics, but, boy, the royals live great. Even the good royals live really nice. And there's a lot of poverty in their kingdom. Yep, they really, really do. Like, yeah, that ball's very pretty. You know what would have been more helpful than that? Feeding the poor people in your kingdom. Yes, they all suffer from this problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the ones that are nice. Yeah, like Regina, that's on brand for her. That makes sense. Yeah, she doesn't care about Snow those and Charming, that's not very on brand. Other than that's just, I guess, what they expect is normal. And, you know, they're like, oh, our people want us to do this. Yeah. It's kind of crappy, though. It is crappy. It's okay. crappy. Anything else you got for the recap? No. Just what's your what was your favorite moment in this episode? Oh. <laughs> Mr. Gold killing that fairy was pretty. <laughs> it was just so sudden and unexpected. And I had said, like, oh, we didn't get to see Mr. Gold that episode. And then I was like, well, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, does he arrive on scene in style. Just pop and she's gone. I actually have that as my as my most ridiculous moment. I don't know that ridiculous is the right word that sure. I would use. It was very shocking. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment was Emma's speech to Ashley in the car. I feel like it was very emotionally resonant for both mm. of them. Okay. Um, and I think it was powerful that Henry was there to hear it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that. Rumpel's, Rumpel blowing up a fairy was pretty... I mean, that is very not Disney. It's no! Not, not what one would expect. It also was very, like... It's just a fantastic entrance. Like, if you didn't know who this character was and I showed you that, you're like, this guy is for real. This guy is for real. What was your most ridiculous moment? The plan to imprison Rumpel. Yeah, that was pretty ridiculous. That just... For people who are pretty good at making plans traditionally, this was so haphazardly done. Well, and also, as you were saying, and we will find out later, Rumple helps Snow White and Prince Charming so much. Like, so many times. He actually, like, just helped them and, like, saved their lives. 
lives. And he's even helped their parents before. Like, he, I mean, he, again, he is not the person who was forced into make these deals with him. They all needed something from him. Now, sure, he's scheming in the background and making events and so on, but, like, he never forces them to make these deals. They they do so of their own free will, to my knowledge. I don't think ever someone possesses their heart. So, sure. calling him the scourge, I'm like, really the scourge is your own lack of self-control, if we're being honest here. It's true. You're all weak. Okay, well, I think I can guess who your winner of the episode is. Why don't we start with yours? <laughs> um, I I don't disagree with what you're going to say, but just for the sake of sure. of having something different, I, I'm going to go with Emma. Um, I think that she really comes into her own this episode. She takes a job. She saves someone. She really fulfills, like, she feels like she... I think she found some peace with a choice that she made by helping somebody else make the choice that she wanted. Um, and she really grows closer to Henry, which I think is nice. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Loser? Oh, Regina. Yeah. Definitely Regina. Yeah. She she thinks that she accomplished something that she did not at all. She didn't keep Henry away from Emma. She didn't scare Emma out of the town. She made her stay more firmly. Um, but she did have like an eight hour sit <laughs> So that's a win. <laughs> that is the only thing I think she accomplishes in this episode. Is you're like, well, you know what? You do you. Well done. Um, yeah, I mean, come on. The winner on this is obviously the man who's the center of this episode, who's manipulating events. And I actually think Emma was a very close second, but very similar to the episode that I said with Regina. I think it was episode two. It's like 98% of the way you feel like this person's the winner. And then you were kind of reminded at the end that, like, you did all these great things, but now now I kind of own you. Which is really kind of the story of this. He's always in the background. He's always lurking. Him getting Emma to do a favor for him is probably more important than any of the things that happened here. But I think the growth that Emma goes through is probably the most important point of this episode, even if Gold is the one who I would say won this episode. I also think Henry's a winner in this episode. And the reason I think that is that I think he gains some critical understanding about why Emma did the things that she did. Because, like, that's just hard to understand why you've given up. Now, like, I've never experienced that, but I imagine that would be a very tough question. Well, it's something that haunts Emma. Of course, yeah. So it haunts Emma. <laughs> about it, her parents, well, too. What well, haunts Charming. It haunts yeah. Snow. It, it, you know, it, it will haunt other characters when they, you know, they find out they weren't able to spend time with their kids. And yet, I think hearing your mom say that to someone else, and it's like, oh it wasn't actually like a personal thing. It wasn't because she didn't love me. It was because X, Y, and Z, which is probably very important for someone to be like, okay, I don't like that you did it, but I, maybe I can start to understand why you did it. Yeah. Which I think is a big victory for it because his whole point was he wanted his family back to save care, so now he's kind of getting his family back. Yeah. So I, I'd, say he's a, I'd say he's on the podium. He's third place. Yeah. He yeah. got the bronze. Got, got the bronze medal. Got the bronze. Well, thanks everyone for listening this week. Next week, we'll listen to, ep we'll talk about episode five, that still small voice, and we'll get to talk more about Jiminy Cricket and Dr. Hopper. Ooh, I do love me a good Jiminy Cricket episode. I'm excited for this. Um, he is one of the characters who I think is underutilized in the show, mm -hmm. but when he is in the episode, I think he's really good. Agreed. I, I think he's... I could see, I think that they may have used him sparingly, like, with good reason. I think, like, having too many episodes about that small voice in your head that's your conscience might be a little, a little grating. Um, but I do, like, I, I think he's a great character, and I like it when he stands up to Regina. I like it when anybody stands up to Regina. Well, there's one time standing up to Regina doesn't end well. 
but we'll talk about that later. Oh, you want me to talk about what I'm looking forward to next week? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm now that I'm really. I want to know how Regina is going to react to Emma taking that job. That's what I want to talk about next week. She's going to be pissed. I want to know when Regina starts to turn it around. She's taking a lot of L's lately. Yeah. There's been a couple episodes where, like, this is not... I mean, look, look. You broke the curse. You did the curse. It makes sense that you kind of already started at a high place. So you're going to start to trend down. But she went from, like, trending down slowly and has and tried to strike back. That didn't work. Then she, like, tried whatever she tried. To, I mean, honestly, she was distracted this episode, so I'm yeah. going to give her a pass for this one. But at some point, she's going to have to start to try to uh, stop the rising tide because she's slowly but surely going underwater. Yep. She definitely is. Um... And I think I think we're just going to see some more of that in the next episode. Um, I also, like, as you said, they made a very big deal about the reveal about who Regina was uh, sleeping with in this episode. Uh, so clearly they're going to make a big deal about that moving forward. Uh, so I think there's going to be some more some more conversation about that. Excited to learn more about Dr. Hopper. And we didn't get nearly enough Snow and Charming in this episode. So We didn't, but I think we got a lot of good Snow and Charming and Snowfalls and not yes, enough gold. So I'm fine with a little rotation to keep things fresh. Yeah. That's it for me. That's it. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>